that was amazing, wasn't it? Just spending some time just in the work in, with God and with each other. And I almost feel like I don't really need to preach today because so much of what I wanted to say has already come through, um, through what we were singing and through the prophetic words that came out. Um, but hopefully this will take us a bit deeper into, into some of those things. I'm following up from what Steve was talking about last week, about us being a community that's really founded on loving each other, knowing the love of God, and, and being a growing community. That's something we felt that God has spoken to us about, um, being a, a growing community and growing more communities across the city uh, that bring heaven to earth so that we can experience more of his life, his spirit, amongst us as a community. I'm going to talk a bit about this morning about what that looks like, what that feels like. So it's a slightly different take on it in some ways. The last time I was up here was in August, and I mentioned a bit about the, the job that I do, which is based in Oxford, but actually supporting training up more surgeons overseas, in, particularly in East Africa. And Josh, I wonder if you could show a picture of... Um, an example of one of the kids that we're trying to, trying to help. Um, some of the kids are probably about one in 800 babies in sub-Saharan Africa are born with a condition called clubfoot. It means that their, their feet are born sort of slightly twisted under um, and this deformity, if it's not treated um, in the first few years, can get worse and worse. That when the, the kid starts to walk on their foot, it just sort of becomes right underneath and really painful. And so some of the work that we're doing is to try to um, increase the amount of training and treatment there is for these children. And um, just if you scroll to the next picture, Josh, so this is the same same little girl who had um, club foot and she had, and they were able to correct it eventually. But... The idea is to have more treatment available in the early stages of life, so to avoid the need for surgical correction. The reason I just wanted to mention it today is because um, in many of the communities where some of these children are born, being born with clubfoot is a real, it's a real stigma still. It's seen as, um, as a curse, not only for the child, but also on the parents of those children. And so actually, the, this treatment for the kids. It's not only sort of a physical healing, but it's actually really powerful because it brings them back into community. It's a, it's a sign that actually there, this curse isn't there um, and that they belong. And so for me, it's quite a powerful image of actually being brought into to experiencing belonging again in a really powerful way. So it's about the sort of the social impact of this treatment. And so... That ties into the main sort of theme for today, which is about being in the love of God and experience the love of God really changes how we experience belonging. And belonging is something which is a pretty deep need within all of us. And finding a sense of belonging can be hard for different reasons, whether it's moving about. And when I when I moved away from Oxford and went to live in Australia for a year, it really took longer than I thought to make friends. And that's one of the hard things about moving. It can be, belonging can be difficult sometimes because of 
um, loneliness, and it can be because of uh, cultural reasons as well. So for me, I was born in the UK, um, but with, being, with having both a Chinese and a Vietnamese background, at times I felt not quite part of any of, any of those cultures. Most of the time, it's fine, but there are times where belonging is difficult. But today I want to talk about us finding our belonging and the reality of that in, our, in relationships, in our relationship with God and our relationships with others as well. The passage that we're going to look at is in 1 John, in chapter 4. Um, I'm going to read from, from verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. It's, um, it's a really rich passage. There's, there's a lot in there. I wondered about shortening it, because it's quite long. But actually, I think there's a, a train of thought that goes all the way through this passage, which is quite important for us to to get a hold of and the flow of it is starting off by saying that God is the source of love all of the love that we know and experience ultimately comes from him but it's also this love is more than a feeling it's active and it's demonstrated primarily in the way that God has sent Jesus for us that he's dealt with the problem of our sin 
and, and demonstrated his love for, for us as sinful people by, by sending us Jesus. And through this demonstration of love, God's love then inspires us to then grow in love and to express that love to others and say there's a revelation there of his love which leads to a response and I think that came out partly through some of the prophetic words this morning as we have more revelation from God our response to draw closer to him but also to to love others as well and the bit that I thought actually I don't want to leave this off the last part is there's the command to love and the reason it doesn't just happen through us being inspired to love is there's still a choice for us in the day to day to be loving and to choose to be kind and I think it's important to remember that that we're not on autopilot going through life we make choices each day um, which God wants us to to do with his help and to and to choose to be loving in that overall sweep of understanding about love, the love of God, there's two key insights there. Um, one, one of which comes out in the verse about there being no fear in love. And um, the reason there's no fear, and it's particularly talking about looking to the future and, and judgment day, is that on that day, we don't have to fear any punishment because God's already dealt with that. And... Uh, on that day, there'll be an end to sin, and also it's the beginning of sort of an even deeper friendship with God. We'll be able to see him face to face. And so because of that, there's, there's no fear. And knowing that, that perfect love dispels all the, some of our darkest fears about whether that's um, fear of rejection or fear of abandonment or fear of failure. And... Uh, got a picture of a candle um, on one of these slides which I think just brings home that actually God we can feel that we're in a dark place um, but actually it just only takes a little bit of light a bit of hope um, and that light just dispels dispels the darkness Another, another way to picture it, which I sometimes find helpful, is remembering that long walk home of the prodigal son. As he was walking back home, he was expecting rejection. He was expecting to, to be, he didn't know, he certainly wasn't expecting acceptance, but that's what he got. He met a father with his arms wide open and say, in God's perfect love, um, it takes away all of our fear. The last part of that verse about there being no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, but whoever fears is not perfected in love. And I think it helps us to understand that last part by going back to verse 12, which says, if we love one another... God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So actually, God's love being perfected in us is somehow linked to us loving others. And if we want to experience more of the love of God, yes, there's drawing close to him. But there's also something about taking a step to love others. There's extra revelation about what God's love is like, which is only really found 
in relationships with other people and opening our hearts up to loving others. So the first thing is about there being no fear in love. The second thing is about abiding in God and um, being invited in to, to share the love of God. And um, for this next point, I'm going to need four volunteers. I wonder if I could ask just four people. It's easy. I'm not going to make you do anything horrible. Okay. Great. Oh, okay. Oh, thanks. Actually, Vu, come on, come on. You need, yeah, it works. It works with five as well. Um, so I need... So um, Simon is going to be the father. And we've got the son. <laughs> We've got the Holy Spirit. Um, Flint, if you, Al, if you come here, so we've got sort of a triangle going on. And Vu, if you come and stand here just for a second. We often talk about um, overflowing with the love of God. But I think, I think there's something in this passage which shows us about us being brought into the fellowship of the love of God. That the love of God isn't just an abstract feeling. But it's about the relationships that where the Father loves the Son, loves the Holy Spirit, loves the Father. And so we're not alone because we can have a sense of belonging because um, when we're brought into the love of God, we're here. Like we're here. We're not on the outside. We're on the inside. And we experience the love of God and through the relationships between in the Trinity as well. So there's always a risk with doing an illustration with the Trinity that you're going to say or do something heretical. So it's not a perfect, it's not a perfect picture, but I think it, um, it carries something of uh, just an insight there. It's about the relationships that we have. Thank you. I thought we were going to do a group hug. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> yeah. So in this passage, we see that we're, we're living out the reality, living out of the reality of an awareness of being loved by God. And in it, we, don't, we can be free from fear. And as we abide with him and he abides with us, we experience a friendship with him. And, uh, and that's where we started today with that invitation to friendship and the picture of Jesus um, Extending friendship to us, which is and our decision to accept. So secondly, as we respond to his love and choose to love others, hopefully that will just totally transform the relationships that we have with one another as well. And we sang about more love. We sang about more power. And actually, God's love is powerful. It enables us to love others um, with more kindness, with more generosity. And that's just something that I'm going to, to talk about more now. So when our friendships with one another and in the community that we want here, we want it to be known for being loving. We want to be known for there being an overflow and an abundance of love for people, for new people, for people beyond us. And... That, what does that look like? It's, it looks like kind words in the way that we speak to each other, encouraging each other, building each other up, and also listening. Listening is one of the most powerful ways to show love. 
Um, I'm going to read this quotation from Edward Farrell, which I think expresses some of that power. Listening is rare. There are certain people we meet to whom we feel we can talk because they have such a deep capacity for hearing. Not hearing words only, but hearing us as a person. They enable us to talk on a level that we have never before reached. They enable us to be as we have never been before. I think we can probably all think of particular friendships or particular people who we could say that about. But I pray for more of that. I pray that we would truly be able to know each other and in that find that freedom of being able to be known and, uh, and to be honest with each other. It's expressed not only in words but in actions as well. And they can be the big things. Um, I've met someone in the last year, he, his brother um, has a kidney problem, so he's given him his kidney. That's, that's pretty big on the scale of kind things that you can do for someone else. And it can be the everyday, everyday things as well, whether it's um, sharing a meal with someone or bringing a meal around for someone who's, uh, who's ill or they've just had a baby. Um, it can be in giving lifts. And for me, that, that was just a small thing that meant a lot to me, particularly, um, it's quite dark down this towpath here. They've recently put lights lights there but for a long time it was totally pitch black so if you're walking from town to get here um when it was dark and in winter it wasn't really very nice probably wasn't very sensible to walk that way back but there are times when when I was leaving here and either someone just stopped just to offer a lift or someone who had a bike and could have just got home in five minutes said no I'll walk with you and this is it's a small thing in some ways but those acts of kindness actually all add up and help us to grow in love as a community. It means getting our hands dirty a bit as well. And uh, I was in a car with a friend a couple of months ago, and they said, are you, are you okay? And I said, I actually feel a bit sick, but um, don't worry, I'm not going to be sick in your car. And they said, oh, I don't mind if you're sick in my car, which... To me, it was quite an amazing thing to say because I was not expecting that response. And I, I was expecting them to say, look, if you're feeling ill, tell me, I'll pull over, it'll be fine, you know. <laughs> but to be at that level of friendship where actually it goes that bit deeper is quite miraculous, I think. But, and it's something which I think God can do in us and through us where we're willing to, to be giving. Hospitality is another way. And for me, I mentioned, this, I mentioned this last time, but when my parents came to the UK, they, were, they came as refugees from Vietnam. And so the friendship that they, that they experienced from, from people when they first came was, was amazing. It kind of made all the difference. And so um, that inspires me. And uh, that, that particularly there's many Christians involved at that time who showed that kind of care to my family. So I think we can extend this love to people that are perhaps on the edge of our community as well. Because I think the danger sometimes with us having deep friendships and deep community is that on the outside, it can sometimes look exclusive. It can, it can look cliquey, but it doesn't have to be. And I think us just being sensitive and aware of that and being considerate 
can help us to, to grow in love for one another. God's love in our friendships enables us to really be open and honest as well. Who truly knows you? Who have you let, who have you let in? Who have you let get to know you? It's a hard question in some ways. Are we willing to be vulnerable with each other? And also to get past when someone says, how are you just saying I'm fine? And I find this a bit hard because probably that's my default. Um, if someone asks me whether I'm okay, I might say I'm fine. And that can cover everything from really great to, well, I feel a bit ill, but I'm not going to be sick on you. Or I feel a bit upset, but I'm not going to cry on you. And it can cover that whole spectrum of I'm fine. <laughs> and I just think sometimes us being willing to, to go beyond that a bit um, will really help us to have a real openness in, in our friendships. And in some ways, people are a bit like icebergs. We only really see a bit of what's going on. And there's a whole lot else. And part of friendship is, is pursuing people, is, is digging that bit deeper to get to know people. Which means not hiding our mistakes or hiding our failings either. We kind of don't get the option of having um, perfect parents, perfect friends, perfect colleagues. The only, the only choice is imperfect people around us. Um, and the flip side of that is we don't have to be perfect to be loved. It's another way of saying love is true love. God's love is unconditional. But when I first thought about it that way, that kind of just, I think, set something free in my heart. Um, because I think that maybe I'm not the only one who can lean a bit towards perfectionism at times. Um, but actually being real with each other is, is a draw to us um, growing in real love and a real friendship with each other. The hard part is when it goes wrong and we hurt each other or make mistakes. And it's the key thing there for being a loving community is being willing to rebuild the bridges when that happens. And we're all broken people, so we're all quite capable of doing this to each other all of the time. So... But the key thing is what are we going to do about it? And um, forgiveness, there's a lot we could say about forgiveness. And a key part of it is being able to be quick to try and to resolve it. And I sometimes, if I think I've not got something quite right in a, or offended someone, I might send a text later that day saying, I think I was a bit sharp with you, I'm sorry if I hurt you, or I'm sorry if that came across a bit abrupt. And just trying to sort of be quick to not let a wall sort of build up through time, I think is quite important. Um, Josh, I wonder if you could show this next slide. I'm not going to say too much about this, but I did read a really interesting book earlier this year. It's called About the Five Languages of Apology by the same person who wrote the book on um, the five love languages. Some of you have heard of it. Um, what they were saying was actually, when we apologize to each other, or try, um, some of us maybe are listening out for or tune in more for some kinds of language more than others. Um, which is why sometimes you get the situation where, well, I said I was sorry, but there's still a bit of a cold front here. Um, 
and say some of the different words. There's just a whole different vocabulary we can sometimes use when we're trying to resolve situations. And sometimes it might be saying, I'm sorry. Sometimes it might be saying, I was wrong. Sometimes it's, can I make this up to you? I know I can't fix it, but how can I, how can I fix, make it up to you somehow? Or saying, please, will you forgive me? And I just wanted to put that there because I felt that actually some of, some of those words or some of that vocabulary might just be kind of powerful in maybe helping to uh, resolve some situations which maybe have seemed like we tried to do that, but it didn't quite get very far. So I actually um, used this a few months ago. There was a friendship I had where um, last year they'd mentioned, well, actually, I was really bothered by this and I was quite upset about this. And I said, oh, um, yeah. And I apologised at the time. But through later in the friendship felt that actually I wasn't sure if it was completely resolved. And after reading this book, I sort of went back and said, I just want you to know that I was really sorry. And you expressed that apology in some different ways. And actually, that really helped in our friendship. And they said, well, actually, yeah, I feel really free. I feel free now. So, yeah. So the love of God, it changes us. It gives us that power to, to love. And it gives us that power in our friendships to grow in love. Um, but in the, in the friendship that we experience, it's a key part of how um, we as a church want to see discipleship as well. And so I just want to say a few words about personal discipleship. And you, we often use the term personal pastoring here at ACC. Um, and the reason we say personal pastoring is, is because we want it to be the opposite of impersonal pastoring in that there's, you can receive a lot on a Sunday morning, you can have great input, but actually there's some, only through re- real relationships do you sometimes see that real change um, and growth in God. And so our aim for um, personal pastoring is that everyone... It's a relational way so that everyone can grow in God and find their destiny in him and also receive care and also receive discipleship. And so a big part of that is um, through care, just being there for people. Um, And discipleship is about just being willing to, to learn and to learn from others. So we, we offer it to anyone in the church. If you want to, to be pastored, we will try to, to sort of arrange that. Mostly it starts with friendships, which are maybe already there. If you're, we might say to someone, where are you already finding friendship? Or where is there already some sense of spiritual life that's flowing? And it could be you might be pastored by someone who's maybe a similar kind of stage in life or experience to you, more like a brother or a sister, sort of spiritually. Or it might be someone who's kind of in a different stage of life and they're a bit more like a spiritual mum or a spiritual dad. So there's no one-size-fits-all within that. And it's a two-way relationship, so that both 
both, both people can um, take sort of initiative in it for keeping it going. Um, the key things are that it might involve giving counsel in terms of giving advice or um, giving guidance, but very much not, um, not taking responsibility away from people for making those decisions, um, but actually guiding them as well, or helping people to find God's perspective on things. And mostly it's, it is about um, encouragement and affirmation and building people up. So maybe 90% of it is, is there. But actually what really makes it um, the, other, the other part, sort of the 10%, is actually some challenge, being willing to actually have... We've all got the blind spots, um, allowing someone else to say, to ask possibly sometimes questions which make us um, think about think about what we're doing and think about where we're going. I'd like to leave time for us to respond. Um, I'd like to give some time for us to, for, to receive this revelation from God, fresh revelation, and also just to respond to him. And so I think where I, where I want to leave us, and I'll hand back to Dan in just a bit, is... Is there fresh revelation for us to receive about the love of God? Is there more about what it means to abide with him or to be set free from from fear? Is there fresh revelation there? And what's our response in terms of uh, growing in friendship and growing in love for each other? And uh, is there a particular friendship that God's highlighting? Or or maybe just a, a way to go deeper with friends? And uh, I think it comes down to just saying yes, just saying yes to God, um, because actually he is the one who enables us and fills us with his love and with his power.